everyone! Welcome to Waiting to be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash, or in this case, the, the lack of events. Uh, my name is Trinity, and just before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, because the market is a lot of the reason why we're here on FX Hash. That said, nothing that is said here should be financial advice. It's for fun and also conversation. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. If you're feeling generous, we're also always accepting donations at our Tez wallet address, Waiting to Sign Tez. As you may have noticed, Will is not here. Um, his wife just ran into the emergency room for to have a baby, which is super cool. I was hoping it would happen on this podcast, but alas, the drama did not work out that way. So instead, we have Danielle here as a last-minute, super nice co-host. Danielle, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm a big fan, so this is uh, really cool. I am really excited that you were able to come on here as well. I listened to some of your last uh, podcasts on, for Right Click Save, and also I'm always happy to be talking to other women in the uh, NFT art space. Yes, we're a rare breed. <laughs> I mean, I think in the collector's world, we definitely are on the rarer side. Like, I don't know of that many other people, at least in Discord, that are women. But on the artist side, I feel like we have pretty good representation. Oh, yeah, definitely. And some of my favorite artists uh, in the space are women, for sure. But yeah, I think the collector space feels very male. I mean, you never know, right, with some of these screen names. True. But yeah, so no, it's, it's, I'm really excited to be having a conversation with you about all things FX hash. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of some episodes, uh, names for the, the show. And I was like, ladies night, girl <laughs> talk. I'm like, is this, is this good? Or is this just kind of pandering? Or is it just kind of like, uh, like a roll of the eyes? I wasn't quite sure. But you know, we'll, we'll play around with it. We'll see what works. Um, we'll find something good, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, again, I, we were just chatting a little bit earlier. And I was saying that it's so funny that none of my hobbies have ever included women, like most of my like professional life, because like my first job was in game design, for example, like no women there. Yeah. Um, and so this is really like the first opportunity that I've had to really interact with women in like any sort of space, if you know what I'm talking about. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I was, I was saying to you earlier, I worked on Wall Street for a number of years and that was a very uh, heavily male space. Um, but since then, you know, I've been in the art world, which has mm -hmm. the traditional art world anyway, uh, has it's a good amount of women. And I was lucky enough to work with some pretty amazing women at MoMA. But yeah, no, in, in this uh, NFT world, a little less common. So I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, just hearing you kind of talk about like these two different parts of your experience, because they kind of are coalesced into like I think what NFTs are in a way I mean I guess it's also traditional art world like NFTs are just a way of like selling things faster I don't know yeah. oh yeah um, and it moves so incredibly fast that's one of the things that's been kind of whiplash for me in the traditional art world you know I, I worked at a museum at MoMA for a long time and then I worked at a big contemporary art gallery in New York City and everything just moves at a very slow pace particularly with museums like the acquisition process is so slow and thoughtful which it, it should be right and in this space it's like you blink and you miss something you know you you go to sleep and you've missed like the next masterpiece and then it's completely out of your price range you know on the secondary so that's been something that i've had to really adjust to um but it also makes it really exciting and fun yeah i mean i think when i first joined and you know it's like the block by block it's like every 30 seconds something is new and it was 
I could not sleep for like the first two weeks that I was on FX hash because I was always tied to my laptop and just like my adrenaline was always running yes. because I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get this. I have to get yeah. this. No, um, I, I, I completely feel that. And I think for my own health and wellness, I, I'm trying to find a balance, right? You know, where I turn it off at certain times. You know, I, I also have kids and, you know, I don't want to always be, you know, stuck to my computer and, or even when I'm with them thinking about FX hash or, or thinking yeah. about stuff. So, you know, I have to find ways to draw some boundaries, but th that said, it is, it is super fun and that's part of the addiction. <laughs> Yeah, it's the fun, it's the collecting, it's the selling. And yeah. um, I don't know, I think also the community is For another sure. really big part. I feel like I wouldn't care as much. And I feel like the market would actually be worse or lower if there wasn't like the constant community vibe and hype around yeah. like, different things that are coming out because everybody's constantly sharing. Yep, I agree. Which yeah. I think is special. No, I only joined Twitter in January of this year, <laughs> and I joined Discord around the same time, uh, both basically related to my job. I'm uh, the CFO and COO of Club NFT, and so I sort of felt like, okay, I need to be in the mix and like seeing what's going on in this community because um, these are the people that you know we're trying to create products and content for. And it's been so great. I mean, people are so kind and funny, and you know, you know, I also moved from New York City to the Berkshires during the pandemic and have been you know pretty isolated. Uh, things are getting a little better now, but I haven't been really socializing in person with people, and so having this group of people around the world that are sort of always there to chat, um, whether about art or just like random, you know, chit chat or joking around. It's been really nice. You know, I like some of the people, I feel like I know them, even though I have no idea what they look like or, you know, where they are. So I, yeah, I agree that the community is a huge part of what makes it uh, addictive and fun. And like, I don't think that's something that like Seifert originally like planned around when he first launched the site. It's like obviously, you know, Discord has been huge in the crypto world for, I guess, as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. But to, for it to just like grow so quickly and organically, I don't know if anybody really planned for that. But yeah, it just, it's the networks. Great, right? Like it had to happen mm -hmm. organically. Um, so even if he, he had wanted it to, it, it sort of had to happen on its own. And it's, it has. And I feel like, you know, at least for the, what I've seen, it's a really positive and fun community. And I, and I think that's rare. I mean, I'm not super well-versed in, in Discord, but I'm sure there are a lot of spaces that are, you know, toxic or, or just a, a lot of shilling or weird whatever. And this space seems to be pretty free of that. I mean, I think we have a fair amount of shilling going on, but maybe <laughs> not as like extensively terrible as other communities. I've definitely bought into some stuff at like way too high a price because I was like, oh, everybody's talking about it. Right, I need to right. follow into it. Right. But I think I did that like five or six times and then I learned my lesson. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever, do you have that experience? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, part, you know, I, for the most part, have been operating with like a very low level of Tez unless I sell something and then I'm like, I'm rich and I spend it immediately, which. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so there are a lot of things that people talk about and I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. I want that, but I, I just actually can't. Um, so uh, that's protected me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of nice to sit on the sidelines and be like, well, if only, if yeah. only. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I only have a couple of regrets on that. Like, you know, back in the day, a few weeks ago, maybe it was January, like the Contra floor was only a 190. And I was like, ooh, maybe someday it seems in reach if I sell a couple of things. 
Right. And then I was just like, ugh. No. 200, 300, like 300, uh, I'm out. It was like a moment of like heartbreak and disappointment. Then I was like, it's fine. Yeah. I can well, no lo- I can go back to no longer caring. Okay. And there's always the next thing, you know, like that's yeah. what I keep telling myself when I miss out on something that there will be another thing that I won't miss. And, you know, the, the lows come with the highs, right? There's like <laughs> yeah. the ups and the downs. It can be very confusing sometimes. Oh, sure. It's the roller coaster. Yep. <laughs> so I joined FX Hash in like December-ish, you know, and I, I definitely feel that, you know, my collection has benefited from that. You know, obviously there's always like the MS Contra, Loom, RGB, Hyperdraft, not that I could have afforded it at the time anyway, because it was right. like a, an expensive mint. Yep. When did you come in? I think it was sometime in February. It's pretty okay. recent. And I had started collecting NFTs about a year ago, so like last spring, but on Hick at Nunk. My boss and friend, Jason Bailey, uh, also known as Art Gnome, said, you know, you're working at this company. We're all about protecting and uh, educating and uh, discover, helping people discover NFTs. You need to navigate this world. So he set me up with a temple wallet and held my hand through the whole process. And it was really fun. And I collected some great things, but then I kind of stopped. I spent all my tests and I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and I was really hesitant to sell anything because I liked everything that I, that I bought. So I just kind of put it on the back burner and went about my job and my life. And then I don't know who it was, but someone in our company was talking about FX hash. And I was like, oh, I got to check that out. And I started poking around and it looked really cool. And I minted my first thing. I don't even remember what it was. And I was like completely hooked. And, you know, I've basically been down the rabbit hole ever since. And, you know, I'm trying not to throw too much new money into it. I, you know, I have kids, I have, you know, (laughs) mouths to feed. So I've been, you know, selectively selling um, so that I can reinvest and, and buy other things. And it's been a lot of fun. And yeah, so I'm definitely behind in the sense that I don't have any of those early grail projects. But you know, I minted um, the Ryan Bell Fragments of a Wave mm-hmm. at Mint. I minted two, sold one, and got a good amount of money at the moment for it. I was really happy. And now I'm looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I could have, I should have waited and gotten so much more. Um, holding tight to my other one. But yeah, so I've I've already had some good and exciting gets and I've been able to spend, you know, some money from a few sales on things. So I'm, you know, slowly building up my collection, trying to fill out some of the earlier stuff as I can afford it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my journey thus far. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I think that it's kind of how we all got in. I think when I came in in December, it was very much when I think the week I got in was like the week it started really taking off where mints started to going really, really quickly. Uh, Will was like, oh my gosh, it hasn't been like this. Usually you can just sit here and like mint your things over the course of many days. I don't know what's going on. There's just kind of this explosive effect. I think when I came in, it was also really with the aim to buy a few of everything, sell one always, always be building like my stack, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It hasn't really worked out that way. I think I'm sitting on definitely less than I... uh, came in with right but i like there's a tool i don't know if you've used it called fx party mm-hmm. where you can see like your your cost basis for like when you bought everything at as well as like your unrealized gains which is based right. off of recent sales and i'm like cost basis of 1600 tez i did not put that much money in 
So clearly I've been doing a lot of selling and a lot of just buying back into random stuff that is continuing to not sell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a really, um, I'm not a great seller in that I tend to buy only things I really love. I'm not, I'm not super opportunistic, like, oh, I'm going to buy this thing because I, I think I can flip it. Right. Maybe I need to be better about that. I mean, that's very wholesome. I like it. <laughs> it's wholesome, but it's, it's, you know, but one thing I have started doing more of it when I can afford it is when I love something, instead of just buying one, buying two, knowing that mm -hmm. I can you know, sell one and keep one. And so I've been, I've been trying to stick to that. In the beginning, I was just buying one and, and now I can't sell that thing, right? Because it's the only one I have. So, you know, you learn these little lessons along the way. For a while there, and I, I think this is especially true when we're in more of an up market, so to speak, if there's something that you like and you can afford to mint that many, like mint three or four, because then you can always sell one and maybe sell two, like the ones that you don't like, and then keep everything else. That worked for all of December. But then when we sort of, sort of entered this down market in January, like nobody was really minting things. Nobody was really like buying things. And so I actually had like a really nice stack of Tez. And then like two days after we opened after the the winter break, so mm -hmm. to speak. I was just like, and now I have nothing. <laughs> like operating yeah. from like approximate zero. Like I went from like over a hundred to like like point three Tez, which is a very scary place to be. Yeah. Oh, I've been there many times. I've been there many times. Well, yeah. And with the, the multiple minting, I mean, on hot projects when the market is, you know, hot, um, it's really hard to mint more than one because like they go so fast. There have been times where, you know, I haven't even be, been able to mint one of something, even though I clicked like as soon as the button, you know, was ready to go because I didn't gas up or whatever, which is another lesson I've learned that sometimes you have to do that. But yeah, I definitely, you know, if there is time and you and you really love something, minting a handful of them is is a good idea, um, especially if you're a, a sentimental person who has trouble parting with things, then it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you have conviction about something as well, I know that I've told this story too many times and I apologize in advance. But when I saw Farb Taylor, I was just like, this is it. This is it. Let me just mint until I feel like I've spent enough. And I got like 13. So smart. So smart. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it could have really not worked out, but I yeah. really like uh, the signatory, which was his earlier work. And mm -hmm. I saw some Twitter previews where it was like not just the preview that you see on FX hash, but like the actual full scale where it's like yeah. live view, like super textured. And I was like, yeah, I love yeah. this. No, it's, it's good to go with your gut. I mean, and it's not always going to work out, right? But if you believe in something, at the very worst case, you would have just had a whole bunch of them to enjoy, mm -hmm. you know, even if, if they didn't blow up like they did. And yeah, that that's another good point is following and watching when they post the artist's work in progress on Twitter is really great because it gives you so much more insight than that like one little thumbnail, you know, that pops mm -hmm. up. So I've, you know, started following all the artists that I like. And, you know, that's another thing that I was a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> you know, artists would drop things and I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. And it turns out like that this artist is huge and has, you know, all this stuff on Twitter that I could have been looking at. But um, yeah, I think uh, if you believe in something and love it, you know, you go with your gut. And I think you're, you're also right that paying attention is super powerful. You know, I think that we've seen in the past, like somebody that I've never heard of, they release something and the people who have been in the scene for a lot longer or are connected to the art world, they see that name 
yeah. they know who that is already. It's like, it's a huge advantage, so to speak, yeah, when yeah. you've done your research, like literally do your own research and like be able yeah. to come in with an informed opinion. And I think both on the art side and then seeing people who have like a really extensive code background, they're able to see something and be like, this is really technologically impressive. I might not love it the most, but there's something really special here that is like worth yeah. investigating. Yeah, and that's something I've had to really rely on the community for because I have zero coding experience. And, you know, so I'm just going on the visuals, right? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. as an aesthetic person and as an art person. But there is definitely the side of this where if the code is really unique, really complicated, really innovative, that's something that I need someone to tell me. <laughs> yeah. and, and then that makes me appreciate the work more, right? Because, you know, I especially if it is also visually compelling. So it's kind of like both of those things go into consideration and the, the community has been really helpful in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess there are parallels to that with the art world. It's like less apparent to me maybe, mm -hmm. but like obviously like technique is yeah. something that matters, but it's also like vision. You know, there have been some like NFTs that are like the most simple basic things, but because it's done well or like there's taste, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is something that you can't really train yourself on. It's kind of a, it's yeah. just like one of those intangibles. Totally. And and I also, just like in the traditional art world, there's something to be said for uh, an artist having sort of like a unique style or vision that carries through their work, right? Like mm -hmm. um, where it's not duplicative and every project isn't just like, oh, that's that thing again, but where yeah. you see the work and you know, oh, that's so-and-so. And like someone who comes to mind for me is Lisa Orth. Like you Always. see her pieces and you know it's hers, but you still, it's like still completely different from the last piece she did. And every iteration within those pieces is also different and interesting. And so to me, that speaks to her as being, you know, such a thoughtful and committed is the wrong word, but like she, she, she really has a vision, right? And mm -hmm. um, not going to, you know, just say, oh, I see this trend of trees. I'm going to do a tree thing, you know, like that's, that's not going to be like in her, um, in her practice. Um, or if she did a tree thing, it would be like a very Lisa Orth tree thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It would not be that organic. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I see artists that have that going for them, that's big for me too, especially if I, I like their style and I personally really love her style. So yeah, there's, there's so many things to consider. I mean, there are definitely a couple of artists on the platform that I am like a true believer in just because of the, the quality of the work, just as you said, like that through line. Lisa Orth is like 1,000% one. Landlines is another. I, we talk about landlines like every other week, every week probably. And I really apologize for everybody who's listening. But, you know, there's just – that there's it's something there. I can't yeah. quantify it. No, I agree on, on landlines. I will, I will, I will uh, join that bandwagon. I recently got a Dots and an Acromat. I can't afford uh, some of the others <laughs> at this moment. But, mm -hmm. um, no, they, again, it's you look at the work and it's cohesive as a whole, but they're different enough that you want to collect each piece, right? You know, you don't mm -hmm. feel like you can have just one. Like I want, I want to get a sedimentary dissolution. I want to get an abbreviated curves. And that's what I'm kicking myself over because it was low-ish for a while. And I was like, yeah. okay, when I sell this thing, I'm going to get it. And then now I have the Tez and it is not low-ish anymore. So, uh, like for the forever regrets, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think. <laughs> 
I got one of Reviated Curves, I think right before it took off. I should have gotten another. I got one of the citrus palettes, which has like the nice yellow background. Yeah, I like the yellow ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Technically, if you're a person who does rarity, which I'm not, the like the monochromatic ones are technically four times as rare or something. And I just kind of skipped it at the floor. I don't really go by rarity. You know, like I, if I'm selling something, I might just look at the rarity. Like if I have two things and I, and I like them equally, if, you know, I might look at that just to decide which one to sell. But when I'm buying, I don't really go based on that. I think like the one time that like I make that exception is when there are like specific pieces that are quote unquote grail pieces where it's Mm -hmm. like only 5% have this, only 10% have this trait. Right. In which case I'm like, I will hold on to that. You know, one of the projects that had a pretty good run up this week was Uninhabitable by Iskra. Yep. And, you know, there are a ton of floor pieces where that's the the downtown, which is like the chaotic swirly pieces yeah. um, in some city. But at the red ones, they obviously command a huge premium and also the nowheres, which are also huge. There aren't any red nowheres, which is very disappointing because that would just be like. I know. I love the red ones. I love her work. I'm such a huge fan. I, I wish I could uh, jump into to, to that, but uh, not at this moment. Again, maybe yeah. someday. It's on my wish list. That's where you know there have been some really interesting collaborations announced this coming oh, week. Yeah, very interesting. I can't wait to see what these are. I mean, on the on the one hand, I'm excited to see and hope that these collaborations produce something new and innovative and, and isn't just like a mashup of their styles. On the other hand, I'm mm-hmm. terrified about what's going to happen uh, when these things are released. I feel like it's just gonna be, you know, mint out in like seconds and then people flipping them for insane amounts. I mean, who knows? But yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to see a lot of them. The Iskra one uh, is really exciting to me. What ones are you most excited about? And some of them are rumors, right? And some of them we don't know who the partner is, but... Correct. Like we know that Zancan is doing one. We know that I, Ryan Bell is doing one. Can we dream that maybe they'll do one together? (laughs) That is the rumor? Um, I, I think that is the rumor, and that is just going to immediately cost a thousand tes. Like, Fragments, comma, monoliths. <laughs> yeah. The other Zancan like collaboration rumor is Lunarian, who did Solus. Oh, so it's wow. like a gardens in the desert, like so just some major oasis yeah. scene, which would be oh really God. apropos. I feel like some of these are just going to break FX hash. Like I, I hope that Cyphered is ready for for these because it's like the volume is going to be bananas. I mean, I don't think we're going to launch on April 1st. I just get the sense that it's going to be so much, so huge. Yeah. You know, they kind of unannounced the FX hash token um, just because they're sorting out legal issues. So maybe that just gives some time to like add more pylons to the server. I don't know. Yeah. Um, just making up technical language. But I don't think that these are all going to come up at the same time. Like I think it's going to be like a slow trickle Yeah. because that would have definitely crashed the site if it's like yeah. you got the Zancan and the like the Iskra collab dropping at 5 p.m. Eastern, like good luck. Yeah, no, you got to hope that things will be staggered and that 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 first day isn't going to be everybody dropping their like best, most epic stuff Mm -hmm. because like that would just, yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is that there's been some sort of signaling that the addition sizes might be a little bit larger, which helps. Mm-hmm. Like back in December at the very height of everything, like projects that had 500 additions, they would be minting out in a handful of blocks, which is insanity. Right. Um, I think the latest Ryan Bell, like Fragments of a Wave that took an hour, maybe yeah. more. 
it just was such like a slow growth, which is great. I don't think we'll have that luxury with these other ones. I'm also incredibly afraid about bots just going in, gassing everybody out, in which case it would be such a disappointing like premiere for the platform, like going live. Yeah, I'm hoping that they're working on some methods to <laughs> to prevent that but you know again i have zero coding or tech background so uh, you know it's it's all a black box to me how you would you know prevent boss from taking over but i mean and that's where some of the stuff that cypher uh, mentioned last week when we had our interview with him you know the ability to stake tokens to right. get on a whitelist for example yeah. that's a really great one obviously it's not going to work for this launch because the tokens are being taken out and then I know that previously he had mentioned CAPTCHAs, like not CAPTCHAs on the front end, because obviously that would do nothing to prevent bots from doing anything. Right. But like you can very expensively implement CAPTCHAs on the blockchain level, Oh. which I have no idea how that works, but apparently it's a thing. Oh. So that yeah. might be another option, yeah. but I don't know if it would be going into the contracts. I haven't heard anything about that since. I think it was just a, an errant note right. um, that came out in like early January. We'll see. It's exciting. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for the new platform. The collaborations seem like they're going to be interesting. And yeah, I mean, what do you think about, you know, do you feel like there's going to be a big influx of new folks or more uh, more of a slower trickle as people, you know, discover it? I mean, I don't get the sense that there's going to be some big marketing push. So it seems like it has to be organic. But I already do feel like just, you know, seeing on Twitter and stuff, people are catching on and, and coming in, seeing the quality of work that's on there and the artists that are on there. But yeah, I just wonder if the coming out of beta is going to push a lot more people in or if it's going to kind of be a more slow and steady growth. I mean, I think that the collaborations, that is like actually a really great marketing push, especially for some of yeah. the artists that have not been on the platform before. And I think out of what I've seen, it's specifically Zach Lieberman yep. who hasn't posted anything. And Iskra is only like, in my mind, is a pretty big name artist out in the gen art space yep. like that. I think that collaboration is going to be huge at getting people in. And obviously like there's the William Pound collaboration with Cyril Diagne, who've both had really great work that's exploded in the last week. Dragons had like such a good run. It was really exciting to see. And I don't know if you follow him on Twitter at all, but his works in progress are yeah, just- Yeah, they look beautiful, really gorgeous. It's just- I've been drooling for months over it. It's, it's really not fair. He needs to release something soon and for it to not be on art blocks. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it looks really nice. I hope it's for FX hash. Yeah, I was lucky. I got um, one of the waxing crescents um, mm -hmm. when it minted, and I'm just holding it as I see, you know, the floor go up and up and up. And I'm so tempted to sell it to get the liquidity, but I, I love it. And, you know, I think it has potential to go even higher because it's so innovative and it's beautiful. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what those two do together for sure. I think that whatever they make is going to be freaking beautiful. Yeah. I think that it's going to bring a lot of people to the platform. And I think that even over the last week or so when there hasn't been any new minting, like when I see some of the big buys happening on the secondary market, I have a tendency to be just go and snoop and look at their wallet. <laughs> and it, sometimes it's like first seen like mm -hmm. two days ago. So this is like a net new wallet that has been funded with 3,000 Tez coming in just making a lot of big buys. And so, I mean, I know that these more whale wallets they don't tend to mint on the primary as much they'll go back in and swoop stuff up on the secondary which is also really great because it yeah. makes ethical flipping a right. viable lifestyle yes the buy three sell one <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I've noticed that too, that there's been a lot of big buys from new or newish folks, which is great. I mean, it means that the people with big wallets are paying attention and that can only be good for the platform. That said, it's made a lot of things even more completely out of my price range, but you know, <laughs> that's the, the way of the world. I mean, that's where like the the goal is to, if you have those things in the first place, right? you're able to then sell higher to them. Yep. Um, you know, obviously not like just being like, I'm here purely for financial reasons. Like I will buy everything and sell everything. I think that you see some people who have every single thing in their collection is for sale at like a price to recoup cost. I don't know. I, I flipping flippers will be flipping. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, but in terms of other interesting market dynamics, somebody posted a, a screenshot from masterpiece.so, which measures like market action across all the NFT platforms. And yep. as of, I think earlier this week, we're recording Saturday morning for reference, like FX hash, it's like it was number five or number six, which is from, yep. from a price perspective, which it's Tezos, it's not Ethereum. Right. Like go us, but yeah. it had the most sales. Yeah. More than OpenSea, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it's definitely impressive. And, you know, for sure, like because the price points are generally lower, that, that, you know, helps. But I also think that it's just a very active market. There's a lot of, a lot of people involved. And I think the fact that there are new people coming in is helping that. And yeah, no, it's it, that I saw that and I was really excited to see it for, I mean, it's a beta project, right. And it's, and it's up there with OpenSea, which has, you know, billions of dollars or whatever. So it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it was crushing OpenSea at the time. Granted, the caveat for that is that everybody had posted a ton of like zero cost mints <laughs> over like the last few days of the platform. And also once minting closed, I think there was a mad scramble to go and pick up every all of the, like the zero cost projects as well, yeah. just because it's quote unquote free. You right. have to pay this platform fees and the storage fees, but functionally free, right? So I'm looking at Masterpiece right now, and we are about 2,000 sales below OpenSea. But still, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I I think it'll just go crazy after this. And actually, Hickenknock has the most by far. It's double FX Ash right now and almost double OpenSea as well. That's interesting. I feel very bullish for Tezos art. Yeah, I do too. And I also think I, I only collect uh, with Tez and, and Will only. Um, A, because I'm I'm finding everything I want there. I don't, I don't feel the need to go and get some ETH or whatever. And B, you know, for the environmental reasons, I just, you know, I do think it's just a, a better, better way to do it. So I'm, yeah, I'm fully in on Tez. Me too. Me too. Uh, for a while there, it was like also gas fees were just stupid. Yeah, crazy. Apparently, because I don't collect on ETH, I don't keep track of these things. But from what I've heard, gas fees are down to like $2, which is much better than the 60 right. was before. But, you know, that can go up again, too. You know, so it's, yeah, I'm sticking with Tez. Absolutely. So we've been closed this whole last week, which has been pretty crazy. And everybody's been promoting some of the uh, unminted projects, if you will. Yep. Have you been picking anything up? I have been. So in terms of unminted things, um, one that I bought a couple of, and I'm going to mangle the pronunciation, Lienhas e Concreto by Marcello Mora, Project 10791, 
It's one Tez. And I just find them very beautiful. Um, you know, they move, there's sound, um, but even just the still image uh, in the thumbnail is really lovely. They look almost like, you know, charcoal drawings. So I think I think those are lovely. I got a, a Bedlam by Chris McCulley. Um, that's Project okay. 7790, 3.5 Tez. Painterly, but kind of with like a rug or fabric texture. A lot of variation in the outputs. I don't love the output I got, but overall looking at them all together, they're I think they're very cool. Yeah. I was really surprised that this one hasn't taken off, to yeah. be honest, yeah. um, or that it hadn't minted out because it's so much in line with some of the abstract work that we've been seeing. Well, it came out in January, and I think that was before we really saw a lot of abstract work popping off. Yeah, and it's like on the highish side. I mean, it's th it's three and a half Tez, so that price point might make people hesitant a little bit. But yeah, I think it's really cool, and it's only like half minted out, I think, right now. One twenty six out of two fifty six. So that's one I picked up. I might buy another because I didn't love the one I got, and then maybe sell one. Um, and then one that I I think it's getting close to being minted out is again. I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right. Bezier Truchet by Nyhoff. It's project 22. And that one's Fortez. And it's just so cool. There's a ton of variation. Um, it's really fun. The colors are nice. Um, I think that one will mint out because I think when I checked it last, it was I think 230 out of 256. And then one I haven't minted, but I've been eyeing, but it's for me, it's a lot, is uh, the Eltano piece. I don't have the number mm. in front of me, but it's 11 Tez. Um, the Divisio X, right? Yes. It's it's really nice. And again, like the mints that I've seen, there's a lot of variation, but I'm sort of torn because there's a couple other um, projects by that artist that the floor is less than that mint. So I'm like, do I get one of those or do I mint one of these? So I'm kind of, yeah, I mean, I'm in a pondering phase on that, but that's those are a few of the ones that I've been collecting and looking at. What about you? I mean, let's let's stay on Eltono for a bit because yeah. I have Eltono, like the, the Divisio X as one of the things that could be on a mint list mm -hmm. just because, you know, art blocks artist on FX hash. I think arrangement sold really sold out really fast, but I think I sold one at like 10. So like 2X mint for a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I have all three up like looking at them. Have you seen all three? Yeah, I've seen all three. And to be honest, the um, the one that's not minted out is, is my favorite, just visually. Mm -hmm. But I, I kind of, I mean, if I had the money, I would get one of each. And I'm kind of, you know, I was mm -hmm. looking at them this morning and I think one of them, the floor is like nine and one of the floor is 10 or something like that. So I'm, I'm torn, like, do I, do I get one of these older projects or do I, you know, throw the dice and, and mint the new one? I mean, there is like the, the upside for minting the new one is that, okay, so punch cards and arrangement are fully sold out. So 888 arrangements are out there in the world, uh, right. 444 punch cards. Divisio X is only at 288. I, I know that it's not always like the best way to look at things, but you know, if it's yeah, roughly it's the true. same price and you like it the most. Yeah. And it, yeah you're right. I mean, it, it may have a, a low addition depending on, you know, how many sell between now and the big burn. So yeah, I think I'm leaning that way. Also, it's fun to click the button and mint a thing. Like there, you know, that feeling is always exciting um, rather than just like buying the known. I'm definitely leaning that way on, on it. I mean, that is one of my big picks, I think. Like there are, it kind of falls into like a category of work that's not missed out that I call known artists who have higher prices. Right. <laughs> I think like the quintessential example of that is Angry Noise by Peter Pasma at 150 Tez. I'm not going to be minting that. Like I'm sure that some people will and yeah. it's incredibly not minted out. It's only 42 editions so far. Yeah. 
Well, on that one, A, I can't afford it. And B, I just, I'm not into it. Um, I really like his other work. Uh, Hyperdraft is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I would feel for one of those. Um, but when I saw this one, it just like wasn't my style. And I'm sure for some people it totally is. And, and you should collect based on what you like and what you love. So yeah, but uh, the price tag, even if I did love it, wouldn't um, I wouldn't be in there. I mean, we'll see. I, I'm pretty sure that there will be a few more that go just because it's an opportunity to have something that is super low edition. Like all of his other work, even on Tez, is well above the mint price of this. And so yeah. I think it's a good opportunity. Am I in for it? No. If I had 150 Tez, would I be in for it? No, I'd probably be saving up for a Contra, which right. is just the story of my life. <laughs> that's going to be like the thread. Yeah. Like the one day I get a Contra, it's that's going to be the name of the episode. It's like <laughs> Trinity gets a Contra. Spoiler alert. Exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> 100%. You know, I think that there are a couple of other works that kind of follow into this category for me. Gal Dute is somebody who's also released on Art Blocks. Mm -hmm. um, Tranquility Delta, it only has 53 editions minted. It's 25 Tez. And so, you know, from an ETH perspective, that is a, a huge deal. It's very similar to a lot of the other works that they've put out on um, FX Hash and I think also on ETH. So maybe that's why people aren't going for it. Right. And there's just a little bit of similarity, but it's super high quality. Like as far as I can tell, it's beautifully rendered. It's not necessarily my style, but it's mm -hmm. still great. And then there's also another Gildoot that isn't minted out called Entangled, which is very much like a play on the same kind of style. Mm -hmm. It's only five Tez. Where it's again like the very like geometric box shapes. This one does not move, which is great if you're not into that. But I think it's a good price point to get in on this artist. And yeah. the coloring, you know, is definitely different from some more of like the industrial feel that a lot of their stuff has. I'm going to check that one out. Yeah. The, to the each their own. Five Tez pr price point is definitely more palatable to me right now than a 25. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I definitely, I, I, I like your strategy of looking for artists that, you know, have some popularity elsewhere and that maybe you're getting some sort of a deal because it's on FX hash, even if it seems expensive in the context. Yeah. There are a couple of artists like I just this is where my lack of knowledge and research kind of comes into play like but there are names that I feel like are get thrown around a lot like Blackmate has schematic open for 20 Tez. There's Fairy Cells by Julian Espegnon, mm -hmm. which is 12.5 Tez. There's actually a floor piece at eight and a half. Um, mm -hmm. I love Fairy Cells so much. If you haven't checked it out, you should check it out. It is Project 6495. It's just very fun. I love the shapes. I love the colors. But there are some floor pieces where the colors did not come out. It's more mm. like various shades of nude and beige, which might not appeal to everybody. Right. Um, so I think the, the work is really great. But again, you might be rolling the dice a little bit yeah. to figure out which of the color palettes you're, you're going to get. I think there are like three options. So at 12.5, maybe that's a little bit of a, a gamble, but I think it's still great. And I want to see more of them on the market. Like that was the, like the whole thing with Organicon, right? Yeah. By W. Blute, where it's like, I'm so happy that that minted out finally. And yeah. it's actually seen insane secondary sales. I know. It took so long to mint out. And then the secondary has been crazy. It's weird how that happens sometimes where it takes people a long time to recognize something. And then as soon as it's recognized or sold out, everybody jumps in. But yeah, I was really happy about that. I, I had two. And for liquidity, I sold 
one, the one that I just didn't like quite as much. Um, and I'm holding on to the other one forever because I think it's just such a beautiful, beautiful work. He's he's definitely one to watch in my book. I mean, that the variety and the, the slow unfolding and how like complex it gets, like I could just sit there and watch watch it unfold for a long time. It's, it's really special. I think that's one where there are a couple of pieces in that collection that really stand out. There's one that to me looks like a deep blue jellyfish, mm-hmm. just kind of like the way the shapes unraveled. Um, whoever yeah. has that piece, you're very lucky. I'm very <laughs> jealous. Congratulations. You did a great job at rolling the, the hash dice on that one. That's one where I could actually depending on how the high resolution stuff works. I can see like eight by eight, let's go, make it big. Let's yeah. put it on a wall. Like, yeah. Oh, totally. That that one, I mean, I don't, I haven't printed anything yet, but that one is, is definitely a contender if I ever get my act together and print stuff because it's just so intricate and beautiful and I think it would look great on a wall for sure. Is that something that matters to you? It's not really something I think about when I'm, when I'm buying things, um, mostly because I haven't done it yet. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, I do have actual art in my home, um, you know, and I love having art on my walls. I could see myself doing it. But I, yeah, it, it, so far it hasn't come into my decision making, like, do I buy this or not based on will it look nice on the wall? One thing that I do think is really cool that I've seen some artists do and I, I benefited, benefited from it is making actual editions, whether it's like a postcard or a print. The artist Sean Kemp, who did Circle City, he had kind of, it wasn't really a contest, but when he announced that he was going to make woodcuts of, of a select group of work, he said, reply and tell me why you should get one. And I replied with some pithy thing. I don't even remember what I said. And he's like, okay, great. You get one for free. You can now also order them. He has like a form. And if you own one, you can um, go and, and purchase one and he'll he'll do it and mail it to you. But I got in the mail and it was just so cool because A, it looks incredibly like the, the digital piece. B, it's, you know, cut wood. It just smells incredible. It smells like a campfire. And it was just it. really cool to have this like tangible piece that links to my digital piece. And it also fully, you know, locks me in. Like I will never sell that digital work. Like that NFT is here to stay because I have this like physical embodiment that that he made for me. So yeah, I think it's cool. Again, you know, it's not something that everybody has to do or should do, but in a case where the artist has a talent like he has for woodworking and has his special machine for laser cutting and whatever, um, I think it's a really neat sort of bonus. I often look at like the plottable works, like plottable mountain moons by Gruob is one. Um, and I think that they have like plottable storm as well, which is a little out of my price range right now. But like the idea of it's not just like you're printing something, but it's like actually being plotted with like a pen yeah. that's in an elaborate machine. I think that's so cool. I know that a lot of artists have kind of gotten a start with a plottable work. I think Rich Poole said that that was his old hobby before it just started taking oh, really? up too much room and he had way too many prints. Like that was his entryway <laughs> into uh, gen art, which I love. Yeah, no, I think the plottable thing is is very neat. And there was some work that was being sold and maybe it's still mintable. I, I don't know. I don't remember the artist, but you could, if you minted it, they would send you a little tiny plotted postcard of it, which I think was really Yeah, cool. it was literally, I think, called plottable postcards. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a cool twist. I mean, again, like I think there are probably different camps or different schools of thought on this. Like some people probably are really against it or or like don't care about having a physical object because this is all about, you know, the digital, whatever, whatever. But as someone who 
sort of, you know, came over from the traditional art world and, and likes to have things on my walls, I think it can be a nice, um, like additive to the digital work if there's something like that. There, that's where there's always, I think, a bit of a misnomer in my mind where it's like, oh, I'm going to go to this place and it's an NFT museum. And I'm like, like the NFT, like any digital art can be an NFT. You know, it's just that is not the way it's being like bought and sold. Or if it's like on the blockchain, like a lot of the work on art blocks is like where right. it's actually housed. You know, I think it's maybe part of like a digital art renaissance slash a generative art like renaissance. And I think that I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I, I think it's just kind of like an incongruity that sits within my brain sometimes where everything has to be like, it's either NFT art or it's non-NFT art. And you know, I think that the NFT is just really, it's just how it's bought and sold. It doesn't actually right. speak to the type of art that it is, if that makes right. sense. No, that makes sense. I And I definitely find myself using the term generative art a lot more to talk about what I'm interested in because you can make an NFT out of anything, right? I mean, <laughs> and I'm not as interested and I know a lot of people are and I'm not, this is not a knock on them, but I'm not really interested in PFPs and, and those kind of projects or the sort of more co collectibles side of NFTs. And so if you say NFT, it encapsulates a whole lot of stuff, right? And mm -hmm. so in terms of my particular interest, it, it's definitely more in the generative art vein and that's happened to be sold as NFTs. And I mean, I think that it speaks to, I think, a larger part of the value proposition, not just that it's a financialized object that I can sell later on. But I guess one way of thinking about it is I live in a tiny New York City apartment. I have some amount of wall space that is currently covered in other art that I've acquired over the years. But in a way, having like the NFT, it's kind of like a here's my digital storage. You know, like right. this is like future art for my future walls when I have more space. Right, right. But for now, it's something that I love, and I'm just keeping it in this very tiny, safe space. You know, somebody joked me, and but it, there is like some kernel of truth, like, oh yeah, well, your kids won't be able to take your paintings to space, but they'll be able to take your NFTs. You know, like there is something to, you know, the future and the fact that yeah, you live in a small apartment, you don't have room for these things. Like, who knows what's going to be going on with the earth and our planet and you know and whatever in however many years um so having these digital things that don't take up any space at all is is nice yeah i mean in the future when we're all living in the matrix because right. we're all either on spaceships trying to find a different planet or we're just living in the metaverse nonstop because it's less less depressing than the real world exactly <laughs> guess what we could have all of our nfts with us passed down through the generations of our digital generations. I don't know how reproduction will work if we're all living in the matrix. Um, oh, that's for the scientists to figure out. We don't need to worry. Exactly. That's another episode for another time. Yeah. Did you have anything else on your list for um, things that you're, you're looking forward to hoping that they mint out? I don't know about mint out. I mean, a few of the things that I was hoping would mint out did, like Organicon. Yes. Um, one of the things I've been doing besides, you know, minting things that haven't minted out is just going back and trying to backfill some sort of older classic projects that I mm -hmm. don't own. So um, I've been buying some Punivere, some Lisa Orth. Um, yes. I got a D. Marchi Pinches because I can't afford the other works. And I think that work is really cool. Bought some, is it pronounced Reyes or Reese? Reese. R -E -A -S. Reese. There we go. Yes, the Reese pieces. Reese. 
the Reese pieces. Um, yes. I have a few of those I'm trying to build. So I have one of each. Um, and then I got a couple of works by uh, Tengill, the unicorn cotton mm -hmm. candy and Retrovo. I've, I've been looking at that unicorn cotton candy for a while. I, I picked one really up. Yeah. Good. I picked one oh, up really? a few weeks yeah. ago. I saw a really beautiful one at the floor and I was like, I have to go for it. Yeah, no, I actually think I saw that on Tinder um, wait like a while, while back. And I was like, oh, that's so pretty. Um, and it's just been in my mind. And then I finally just did it. So yeah, so I've been kind of, you know, solely trying to fill in where I can, as well as minting some things that are unminted. So mm -hmm. that's been my project during this downtime. I thought during the downtime, I would spend like no Tez and it's been quite the opposite. <laughs> No, like, and this is what we experienced during the last downtime as well. It's just like so much craziness on the secondary because I guess this is like an itch that people have to scratch. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. a different itch from minting. It's also a time when you have that time to stop, breathe, and assess, right? Because mm -hmm. when it's, there's the constant mint cycles, you're just like, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So you're not really looking back at past projects. You're not really looking back at you know, recent-ish projects that are great, but didn't mint out for some reason. You know, mm -hmm. you're just kind of looking at the new, the new, the new. So this is a time where there isn't anything new and people are really doing a little more thoughtful purchasing, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, when we were interviewing Cyphered last week, uh, it came up that the, the cycles are there for a reason. Like maybe partially it was there so that there was time to fix bugs and stuff, but also it's the time for the rest. It's time for the contemplation. It to kind of reflect on what you've purchased or what else is out there on the market. You know, I don't think that now that we're on a eight sixteen cycle or an eight fourteen cycle, whatever it is, like I don't know if that's enough time to be honest, yeah. to kind of reflect, but this downtime has been so good. And like the downtime at the start of the year was so good. I think that we're really benefiting from having longer days off. The, the two days is good. It almost seems like they should build in a little like two week break every so often or something like a, you know, a vacation, because I, I think a, it gets really exhausting, you know, mm -hmm. if you're trying to up with it all and b it is a good time to assess your collection assess what's out there um that you might want to pick up buy some things off of secondary and you know it seems like having an enforced break might you know longer than a two-day break might be a good thing so cyphered if you're listening that's my, <laughs> my he's too busy working he's building some contracts <laughs> no, he's so busy he's so busy oh one other thing that i forgot to mention that's un, um, not minted out that i recently collected was um Glitched Mountains. Um, yes. Simone Pompey. Yes. I don't have the the number in front of me, but that's a cool project. I think it's just one Tez. Um, it is. So. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought this up because this was one of the projects that Will and I, we were like obsessing over when we first joined the platform. Like that was originally a part of my um, pay myself back scheme. It's like every single time I uh, <laughs> like hit 100 Tez from a sale, I'd be like, all right, 10% goes to the vault. And I buy a glitch right. mountain. <laughs> <laughs> They're really cool. There's a ton of variation. Uh, the one I minted, I did not get a little moon. So I might mint another. Just roll the dice, see if I do. But I do like the one I, I got. The color palette is cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised that one hasn't minted out, actually. It's been a slow mint, I have to say. But um, this artist has also released a curated collection on Ethereum. I think leveraging mm -hmm. different code or like but again those outputs are really really fantastic and for some reason i think i found the open c version first i have no idea how but wow. then when i saw this one on fx Ash, i was like yes i think i have five yes. well now i definitely need to get another <laughs> i mean it's it's a street for yourself it's only one tes the cost yeah, of tes these days it's like a it's like a cup of coffee right 
Exactly. Less than a cup of coffee. Yeah. If you cut out your caffeine (laughs) habit altogether, you can buy so much art. I know exactly. (laughs) That's a trade-off. I can't, I can't cut my coffee habit. It's just impossible. My husband actually just two days ago decided he wanted to try an experiment of stopping drinking coffee. And we're both big coffee drinkers, but his sleep hasn't been great. And he's like, I think, I think this will help. I'm going to try it. And for the first day, he literally just had the worst headache and had to sleep pretty much all day. So I will never be doing that. I don't, uh, I like the ritual. I like coffee. It's not going anywhere. I've actually quit coffee a few times, but I always come back because of the ritual. You know, yeah, like especially so, in, like, in the winter, it's just so nice to have yeah, a little. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And I'm not a tea person, like, so I can't switch that. And so it's, it's coffee all the way for me. Oh, 100%. I'm with so you So did there. you have any other unminted gems that you want to highlight? So there are a couple, like, I have a couple of categories. We already kind of talked about the known artists who have high prices category. Um, there are a couple of people from like that are FX hash favorites, like actually Tenjil, who did yep. uh, unicorn hair, like unicorn cotton, cotton candy. candy, cotton yeah. candy. It does look like hair too, but yeah. Yes. Um, they have another piece called Fault, which is incredibly non-minted out. It's still, uh, it's only fifty-six out of three hundred and thirty-three editions minted. It is pretty pricey at eleven tez, okay. but it's like. A pretty robust algorithm, I would say. It can definitely support a lot of different types of art. Cool. You know, it, it's very robust. Like, I'm not going to say it's another sequence or another fragments, but there's so much variation in the outputs that I think it could have a, like a lot of legs moving forward, especially as an addition, like 56. Yeah, that's low. Camille Rue has some stuff available. SDN has some work available. Riptide. Yeah. Thinking of, of getting another, I really like that work. Uh, there was one Nudaru that it has since minted out, Watercolor Cloud, so that's good to see. And then one of the early projects that was pretty well hyped, but obviously when you have 10,000 pieces of work, things get forgotten. That's Rio by Quentin Hockty, which is very similar to some of the other work that he's put out there. I think it was Sienna that had it stay in the sun early on. But this one is still available, again, only one Tez. So a pretty good deal. It's 39 editions left to mint. Oh, yeah, that's nice. I'm looking at it right now. A lot of nice color variation. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. And one Tez, again, you can't you can't beat one Tez. Like that was the beauty of the early days of the platform. Like one Tez was considered like, that's how much things cost. Right. You know, five Tez for a Contra. What are you saying? That is insane. Oh, that's crazy talk. <laughs> I know when I was listening to um, you guys' interview with Seifert, I was cringing when he was talking about encouraging artists to price higher. I'm like, no, please, please. <laughs> you know, I see I see the, the pros and cons of that, of course. But I do think there's something that is exciting and allows pretty seamless entry into this space if there are still things you can get really good things that you can get for one Tez, right? If everything winds up being like 10 Tez or higher, that's going to that's gonna close the door for a lot of folks who might come in. So um, mm-hmm. I do think artists should obviously price things where they think they should and, and they should value themselves. But a lot of the fact that there are big per- percentages uh, coming back to them from secondary, you know, means that if they price something low in primary, they can also, you know, if it's a, a big work, they can make a lot of money on that end too. So I hope some folks will still price things at reasonable <laughs> entry yeah. level. I mean, I think that, and Will and I have talked about this a little bit, either on the podcast or just, you know, in our personal day-to-day lives where we also just talk about FX Hash all day. Um, <laughs> 
it's 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 a thing <laughs> you know there's always like the market dynamics and like what's happening not just within fx hash but I, I maybe like the crypto world as a whole december right. was like huge and you know, there was a huge influx of flippers a huge influx of bots sometimes tied to flippers and so it was just this huge fomo world where great stuff would be minting out at like one or two tes and then just inflating up to like 100 200 on the secondary right away and so i think part of in response to that particular market dynamic, which was high flipping and like a ton of interest, it makes sense for artists to like price their work that's more in line with what they might see on the secondary, just A, because you're trying to create like a slightly healthier market where it's collectors are yeah. able to get, it's not just fully economical for like a flipper if they get in by 12 of them, you know, and can sell one for 15, you know, they've really netted out in profit. Yeah. But I think that the price your stuff higher, it doesn't always work because in down markets, like you're just going to see stuff not sell because people yeah. aren't doing that. And that's what we've seen right. over the last few months. Yeah. No, some of the stuff that was slow to mint out or still hasn't minted out is at, at those higher price points, which is, it may be fully worth that, but it's just, you know, harder to get people on board. Yeah. So I really don't envy artists the like, A, the time it takes to create something, especially something that is like supports like 500 editions you know but then have to figure out the pricing aspect it's really you know you need to study business and economics in order to figure (laughs) out what to do yeah totally well and i have an mba and and it's still confounding right you know i mean there's economics and and business but like the fx hash economy is its own thing right you kind of have to study it specifically and see how it works and how you know collectors operate and how flippers operate and i mean it's a lot for an artist and it's changing all the time like that's the thing it's not stable yeah it's not it's not at all yeah it's uh and it can turn on a dime you know what i mean it can go from oh well i like i must be pressing pricing things too low because they're selling out really quick and then you you price it a bit higher and it's like doesn't sell at all you know and so is that because of the price is it because of the work you know there's there's so many things that an artist has to figure out and there's no there's no real easy answer it's a lot of guesswork so I, yeah. I definitely don't envy them I can see this as being a really great market offering that you can bring to the table um, if you wanted to go even deeper is to <laughs> provide financial advice which right, is right. the exact the opposite of everything we want to do <laughs> in all my free time sadly sadly I don't think I'm going to be going into that line of business but uh, you know I, I do think it almost just like coming in as a collector is a little confusing. Like I discovered the little handbook to FX hash late. Like I was already collecting for a few weeks and someone pointed it out to me and I was like, Oh geez, I wish I had read this a long time ago. I almost feel like there should be a a handbook for artists in terms of like, you know, not just, Oh, here's how you mint a work and then like get a work on the site. But here are some pointers about the market dynamics. And, And again, like you said, that's always changing. So it'd have to be kind of like a living document, but you know, if someone, if some kind soul wants to spin that up, I bet it would be helpful for new, especially new artists to the platform. And again, like a lot of what we're doing, it's like, it's based off of like lived experience and based off of like what we're seeing. Like it's very qualitative in nature and it's just based off of emotional feel. Like it's not hard data. Like it'd be interesting to see like graphs over time of like addition size versus price versus like how it relates to the secondary market. Somebody yeah. out there has to know a lot about statistics who is not me. Right. I skipped that <laughs> in high school to study like calculus, which 
It was way more fun in my mind. No, but I mean, there is definitely a, a, a really interesting data analysis to be done on FX hash and all of those things if someone wants to sink their teeth into it, because it's there's a lot there. And I think the findings would be really interesting and helpful for people. But um, yeah, that's not going to be me. <laughs> it's out there for anybody who wants it. Let's just yeah, put it out putting there. it out there, guys. Putting out the call. Yeah. Guys and gals. Well, I think that there are a couple of things that I like just in terms of other unmintables. Like I know that we're getting past an hour here and Will is not here to be time cop, so I have to be my own time cop. You know, I think it's just take a look. Even though the platform might not launch on April 1st, I think everything is still going to burn on March 31st, which is going to be really interesting because there's nothing new to look at. Crazily soon. That's less than a week away, guys. So get on it. Yeah, I do like that a lot of folks on Twitter have been just posting threads about unminted works. That that brought my attention to quite a few things that I then minted. So people out there, if, if you see things that are cool, post it up so that other folks will see. Because there's there's so much on the site, you know, you, you can't find everything. So it helps to have people, you know, dry your eyes to something. We have one logo project um, that still has, I think, a little bit less than 100 editions left. I'm so afraid of missing the burn cutoff. So I think that if by the end of day, March 30th, we have ones that are, aren't sold, I'm not going to let them burn. I'm just going to mint them for us to have yeah. and like use for future purpose. So if anybody wants one at one test, great way to support the show. Make sure that you get your buys in soon or else I'm just going to be sitting on 79 logos just sitting there <laughs> like watching the block time or minting one at the perfect time. It's going to be super fun. I can't wait to sit there for an hour and mint things. <laughs> well, I'll go mint one. I'll, I'll help ease the burden by one. At least. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I feel like it's the least I can do now that I've been on the show. Absolutely. And we did commit to um, every one that we sell um, is going to go to either the Ukraine wallet or to Oleg, who is a community member who is escaping Belarus in order to not be conscripted. So always go going back into the community, which is good. That's right. Yeah. Well, it's been great having you. It's been great talking to you. I'm such a fan of the show and I really uh, loved our chat and I'm hoping that Will and his wife are doing well and I wish them all the congratulations in the world. And this is their first baby, yes? This is their first baby. Oh, so exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You guys need to make some um, waiting to be signed onesies and get one of those to them. That could be great. <laughs> it's a very niche item, but... <laughs> I've been eyeing some of like the more child friendly like NFTs to maybe get printed out and go onto a wall to commemorate oh, this time. That's but super cute. I love that idea. Yeah, I'm a huge procrastinator, but someday, someday, someday. soon we'll get there. It'll be like 17. Like, look, I printed this NFT for your nursery. <laughs> it was really expensive back in the day. <laughs> So I don't know. Oh, he says that he's going to try to get back into the podcast game like ASAP. I'm saying take your time. Parental leave exists for a reason. Yeah. And it's a lot, man. They're not going to be sleeping. He's going to be exhausted. Yeah. It, it's He should definitely take the time. So if you need me again, you let me know. Oh, I will let you know. And thank you so much for coming on this time. It's been such a joy to talk to somebody who's not Will. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Will. <laughs> Kidding. We love you. I love you. But we'll see who's our host next week. It's going to be a surprise. Will it be Will? Will it be not Will? We'll we'll find that out. This has been great. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks. I